Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today let's talk about growing your own holiday feast. One of the most savoured memories that I have of homesteading and starting to homestead is the Thanksgiving dinner that we grew ourselves. We didn't have turkey that year, but we had chicken that we raised ourselves instead. And we basically grew and raised everything that was on the plate. So some things that may have been, you know, somewhat traditional fare for the holidays were missing because we didn't grow them. But it was one of the most satisfying meals for so many reasons. And honestly, growing your own holiday feast is quite a nice goal for a beginner. Um, it takes a little bit of planning for the timing and choosing the varieties that you want to grow. But for freshness and flavor for a holiday dinner, you really can't beat it. So maybe not try to grow the whole holiday plate if you're a beginner, but perhaps start small, like something like pumpkins for a pie. I know, I know, I know, for those of you that are listening for a while, you're probably rolling your eyes right now, like, okay, Emma, we get it, you've got an obsession with squash, now move on, okay, 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 let's, let's start with potatoes and forget I mentioned pumpkins, just, just forget I mentioned squash of any kind, but potatoes, let's start with potatoes, because they're usually on uh, most um, holiday feasts, and um, potatoes are planted typically around midsummer. Um, those that are planted around then will, you know, well, they should um, form tubers, that's the edible bit of the humble potato before the first frost hits in fall um for those of us with a short growing season um we're gonna get need to get a little bit more creative um if you have a hoop house or a greenhouse you could try growing potatoes in august and um, that you could then harvest through to december using frost protection in layers if you're in a milder climate certainly if you're in the uk you can also use that trick of growing in a greenhouse to be able to then harvest um for december but also don't forget the potatoes have different seasons. So you have early varieties, you have a mid-season or a main crop variety, and then you have a later crop as well. So you could look to growing potatoes and then preserving them to use for your holiday feast later down the road. Now let's talk about, uh, oh no, wait, before I move on to sweet potatoes, um, let's talk about a an old farmer's trick. Um, in the UK and that was to harvest potatoes in October before winter rain and stuff arrived and this works if you live in an area where you have like cold wet soil there's a lot of clay too but you want to be lifting those potatoes out around October and then store them somewhere in a frost fr uh, frost free place oh my goodness um, in sand and uh, also you could use root cellars and clamps. So a clamp is where you would store it and cover things over. Um, typically you could store them in sand or, you know, sort of soil and things. And it helps keep the moisture content in them so they don't kind of shrivel up and, and kind of go overly gross and um, start decomposing. Um, so that is a trick that you could try if you're not overly comfortable with preserving them like or freezing them or something like that. So... Um, um, that is an option for you if you're looking at ways to preserve potatoes that are not necessarily canning and are not going to require um, you to have to put in a lot of effort to kind of maintain things and, you know, make sure electricity is on and stuff like that for the freezer. So uh, that's that's an option. All right. Back to sweet potatoes. So here in Maine, um, 
if I want to grow sweet potatoes, I'll have to grow those in a greenhouse or a hoop house or something that is going to keep them, um, you know, growing when the weather is, you know, not as warm and the frosts are coming. Um, so this year, sweet potatoes are probably not going to make it onto our Thanksgiving dinner plate this year because I don't have a greenhouse and even though my husband has um, negotiated making hoop houses for me for my birthday um, in March, um, we're probably not going to have things ready to the point where I could be planting sweet potatoes. So if you're above zone five, you should probably be able to grow um, sweet potatoes in a warm place in your garden. They thrive in, you know, warm climate areas. Um, and they're normally grown from what's known as a slip um, that's kind of like a seedling that has roots and has sprouted from a sweet potato um, you can order them online lots of seed suppliers have um, sweet potato slips available um, or you can try sprouting a sweet potato yourself and then rooting those slips you typically like break off the um, the little like sprout things that have come off like you let them grow I don't know four or five inches or so and then break them off and then put them into water and then they'll start to root and then it's those rooted slips that you then plant um a seedling heat mat um really helps speed up the process of getting a sweet potato to sprout um there's lots of information about how to do that online so you know if you really like sweet potatoes check that out um sweet potatoes vary in their growing and the days to maturity um so some varieties are ready in about 90 days others can be up to 130 days so make sure that you choose a variety that will definitely grow to maturity in your climate um you know there's nothing worse than you've gone through all that effort of trying to get something to grow and then it's not able to because it doesn't have a long enough growing season so take a look at that all right let's talk about carrots um for those of you that live in a mild climate carrots are a fond favorite to sow in the winter uh, for zones probably around six to eight um, carrots can be sown in about mid-february under some frost protection like a floating floating row cover oh my goodness i'm having trouble with floating row cover and frost free today my goodness um but yeah it, under some sort of frost protection whether it's a hoop house or a greenhouse you know or just you know frost fabric um or frost fleece um, that helps keep you know the frost off the plants um, so you can sow under those you know before your last frost in spring um, carrots take a while to germinate um, so don't be surprised if you don't see anything coming up um, but if you keep the soil moist that will help those seedlings from being able to germinate there's nothing worse for carrots than if your soil dries out and then nothing um, sprouts up so keep your soil moist and use a um, frost protection if you're wanting to get them out that early now carrots should be good to start harvesting if you've sown them around mid-February, usually around June, early June. And sowing carrots in July will help you to produce decent sized carrots to pull for storage, probably up until the end of October. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of being able to leave things in the ground growing until I need them. That's why I like things like leeks because I can just leave them growing in the ground. Um, same with carrots, right? They're a great crop that you can just kind of leave in place until you need them and then you know chop down to the garden harvest them you know oh i've got enough for dinner here okay 
you know, give them a wash and, uh, you know, have them for, for dinner. Um, carrots are also a really great crop to successionally sow. Um, so that was where you sow seed every two weeks right up to kind of late summer to be able to keep that harvest season growing. Um, I really miss mashed carrots and swede from the UK. That was something that was very typical on a Sunday dinner, let alone on something for the holidays. Um, that is mashed carrots and rutabaga for those of you that are listening in the US. Um, and yes, that is exactly what it sounds like. Mashed carrots mixed with mashed rutabaga. And it's delicious. And I have not had it in so many years. Um I think I've I've been here in the US nine years now so yeah it's it's uh it's been a while since I've had that and you might be asking why have I not bothered to make it well let me tell you about rutabaga so rutabaga also known as swede um well, it's called swede in the UK I've never seen it called swede here in the US it's always been rutabaga and I didn't know what that was until you know I saw it in the grocery store and I was a little confused the first time I saw it in the grocery store here because um they were tiny they were like the size of a tennis ball and rutabagas in the UK are massive they're like the size of your head and um you know, for this tennis ball sized rutabaga, they wanted a stupendous $2.50 for, which is ridiculous. Um, so amazingly, there is a lot of heirloom seed available and lots of different, you know, not just heirloom seed, but it's also hybrids and, um, you know, open pollinated varieties that are available as well for rutabaga. So I, I remember taking my husband to the supermarket in England when we visited not long after we got married and he saw the size of the rutabaga in the past. It's that he was totally gobsmacked. He couldn't believe how big these things get. So, um, one of the things that we decided to do was we were going to try and grow them and we had pretty successful crops growing them even you know in Utah with you know the weird um, weather that we had because you know we're at an altitude um, so this this year I have been tasked with trying to uh, recreate our success of rutabagas and parsnips here in Maine so this is going to be kind of kind of exciting um, now, for rutabagas, if you're wanting a decent sized crop for winter, you want to be sowing rutabaga seeds pretty thinly from May to July. They do not like to be, um, you know, in the ground too early with the frost. Um, you actually want to sow them after that frost date or around that first frost date for best results. And, you know, you can sow them probably up to July. So you've got plenty of time for them to grow and you've got an ability to kind of harvest them here and there before winter. So you want to sow them quite thinly if you're sowing them in a row. Give them a bit of space. You don't want all the seeds all kind of clumped up together. And, um, you know, rutabagas are part of the brassica family so if you're living in a hot climate they can get stressed out and bolt or run to seed very quickly especially when it's getting to be hot so um if it's going to be you know pretty hot where you live and you already know that think about getting some shade cloth or try growing them somewhere where they're going to get afternoon shade to help reduce that stress on them and you know stop trigger that um seed cycle that's going to happen where they're going to start flowering 
Let's talk about parsnips um, because there's not a lot of choice here for parsnip um, varieties here in the US. Um, my favorite is an heirloom variety called Student and I know I've mentioned it before and it's kind of difficult to get hold of. Um, I've actually only got a few seeds left and I am really, really hoping that um, my travels across from Utah to um, Maine when it was kind of hot in the car. I'm really hoping that um, I've not ruined the seed actually. Um, so I'm really hoping that I can save seed from them next year. Um, parsnips like carrots and like members of the brassica family are biennials. So they don't produce seed until their second year. They need to go through a vernalization cycle. So they need to go through a winter where it is cold to then trigger um, the seed starting or the flowering um, to happen usually obviously in some cases when plants get stressed out things like cauliflower stuff like that um, they'll often you know start sending up flowers and things um, so I'm, I'm really hopeful um, that this seed is good and I can get it to grow but parsnip seeds pretty finickety um, at the best of times. Um, it is a seed that rapidly loses its germination ability. So it is one that you will often see having recommendations to buy new seed every year, which is all fine and dandy if you are growing a variety that you can readily get every year. Um, in my case, I, I mean, I have seen student available once and now you know i've got what i have got left um, which really isn't a lot of it at all so hopefully i can get some fresh seed and it'll all be it'll all be groovy from there um but parsnips are a lot like a carrot in that they are shaped like a carrot um they're sweeter in the four months and after a frost um parsnips are great roasted or mashed they're popular in our winter root veg roast that we do here on the uh, mossy bottom homestead um that's where we roast onions garlic parsnips turnips rutabaga beets and carrots together it's pretty good um but as i mentioned parsnips are very slow to germinate and you can typically start to sow them around the same time as carrots um parsnips are generally best to be harvested after a couple of frosts when they're going to be so much sweeter um many a gardener in the uk has had you know an excess of harvest of parsnips at some point um and they may have even decided to give parsnip wine a go, which is like kind of one of those hedgerow wines that, you know, often people talk about in the UK when they start going down this kind of self-sufficiency, um, you know, journey. Um, it's not something that I've seen a lot of here in uh, the US. Um, and I'm pretty sure if I was to make some, it would be met with that kind of weird look of like, what? what is that um but it's actually quite a, a popular you know and seasonal thing for people to make certainly on the allotment um i know when i had an allotment there was so many people who had different recipes for parsnip wine if you are interested there are lots of different recipes available online that you could definitely definitely check out if you are interested um but parsnips on the whole are you know pretty straightforward to go they're not overly um troubled by pests um which makes them kind of a nice thing to grow um you just need to be persistent with waiting for them to germinate and one of the 
tricks is to sow radish seeds in the same place as your parsnips because your radish seeds are going to come up you're going to be able to see where they are hopefully remember where you planted your parsnips and then those radishes will be harvested and out of the way as your parsnips are starting to you know actually germinate and they're going to need the space all right let's talk about green beans next i love growing beans and some of the best cropping varieties that i have ever tried have come through seed swaps um, and these are one of the easier plants to save seed from so if you're wanting to dig in and save seed or start your own land race beans are super easy like kids seem to love um, harvesting beans and saving beans like they're pretty pretty fun to do um, and I think once I can figure out my pole bean support strategy that's what I'm going to grow them up as a trellis not how I'm going to break it to my husband that I might be growing more than 30 varieties of beans this year surprise um but once I figure out that strategy of the trellis again not not explaining to my husband um but once I figure that out I should be in good shape for green beans and super drying beans for the year hopefully um, beans need to be sown after all risk has frost has passed um, and you definitely want to know if you are growing a bush bean variety which doesn't need a trellis or a climbing or pole bean that does need trellis um, we grew a variety one year and we didn't really know anything about it because it just came through a seed swap i didn't know if it was a pole bean or if it was a bush bean and i thought well maybe it's probably just a bush bean because that's what seemed to be quite popular in the group I was in it wasn't it was a pole bean and I had this like weird you know meandering mess of beans growing in my raised bed because I didn't have anything that I could grow them up so um definitely try and do a little bit of research before you plant them and figure out if it's a a bush bean variety or a pole bean or a climbing bean and if you're going to need a trellis um i actually quite like um pole beans i much prefer pole beans even with the added hassle of trying to figure out you know what am i going to grow them up where am i going to grow them i get a lot more in the space that they take up um in the ground and um you know they they tend to be able to crop over a season so i can get several harvests you know when i was growing beans up and over cattle panel trellis um in utah like i was able to go out pretty much like every couple of days and you know grab a couple of handfuls of green beans to have for dinner it was pretty good um and it still left more than enough to then harvest to fill you know two or three you know quart size jars or more um the half not the half pint the half gallon jars you know full of seeds um you know for drying beans later so i much prefer pole beans um but i also loved seeing you know hummingbirds come to visit my runner beans and the bumblebees and stuff that were there so i just i love growing beans um but beans also have a range of days to maturity some start producing harvests within 65 days and what tends to happen is your bush bean varieties are more um quick to crop than your pole bean varieties so other varieties are you know 90 days you know even longer than 90 days in some cases 120 days 
Drying beans have a longer number of days to maturity, often listed on the seed packet, because you have to wait until the pods are dry and crispy to harvest as a dry bean. So sometimes it's not overly clear on the seed packet if that day to maturity is whether it is at the green bean stage where you could, you know, pick it fresh, or if it is towards a drying bean stage. So it's a good idea for you to start kind of recording some of these things if it's a variety that you are going to be you know that you enjoy and you like to keep growing maybe take notes in your garden journal about when you know these varieties tend to have these different stages so you can kind of start to plan on okay this is when i should be getting my first green bean harvest and oh okay like two or three months later, this is when I can start to expect my um, soup bean harvest. Let's talk about garlic next. Um, I know it's not strictly a vegetable per se. I mean, if you ate a lot of it, um, I mean, you'd keep the vampires away. Um, but garlic is one of the easiest plants to grow. And I mean, really, you plant out the cloves um, October to February and then harvest from June to August when the leaves have turned yellow. I never had to buy garlic when we lived in Utah and I would plant my cloves around October, beginning of November, around then. And then from Independence Day, I was harvesting garlic and it was so much better than the stuff that was bought in the store. Um, curing the bulbs helps them keep longer and not go bad in storage. But just like all the other varieties, there are some varieties that keep better than others. Um, but there's also different types of garlic and some that are better suited to your region, kind of like onions. So if you're in a southern state, then a soft neck garlic variety typically does better in those hotter climates than a hard neck variety a hard neck variety does much better in you know cooler northern states so have a look and see what variety of garlic is recommended for where you are and try giving some a go and growing some this year it's kind of fun to you know plant something that kind of late in the season and then sometimes if you haven't taken good notes about where it is you'll kind of see these things kind of crop up in the garden bed and be like what is that um and then you know if you kind of smell the leaves they smell a little garlicky so like, oh okay i remembered what this is now um but they're pretty robust and you know relatively hassle-free to grow in the garden so as a beginner try growing some garlic that's often often a good one to start with now let's talk about onions um i am in a region where long day onions are grown um now as i'm recording this it's uh what end of february beginning of march um i'm in a region where people are probably starting to sow their onion seeds about now um I've started some a bit earlier, okay, like December. I did. I, I, I'm saying I did it as an experiment, but let's let's be honest. I was going a little crazy, and I was wanting to sow some seeds. And certainly in milder areas, you know, sowing onions in December is, you know, pretty pretty normal to be doing because you're able to transplant them out a lot sooner. Um, now I've got quite tall onion seedlings and it's still like two feet of snow on the ground um so my bad um talk to people talk to local gardeners ask them when they start to grow stuff um and you know start to get an idea of 
when people typically are growing things and then you can use that to then help base you know when you should be starting plants growing so now even though i've got these slightly bigger uh plants seedlings to try and figure out what i'm going to do with all is not lost because onions are actually pretty hardy and if i can get a um garden space made or a planter or something filled with some compost or or whatever um i could actually get these out and under some level of frost protection um a good couple of weeks before the last frost date in spring so it does give me some ability to have a little bit of flexibility even though i've got these seedlings that are uh, kind of getting huge at this point but now is when i really should have been starting my seeds uh for onions is in march so learn from my mistake there if you are in <laughs> a region like mine um but the good news um you can use um a few different tricks to growing onions um onions from seed are obviously going to take a lot longer but you can also grow onions from a set and a set is like it's basically a baby onion and they're typically planted out from march through to may depending on when your last frost date is um the good news a bit of floating row cover is going to help protect those seedlings from the frost so that's going to help you get your plants out a bit sooner and you know really you just kind of let them do their thing and onions are harvested when the leaves turn yellow and they start to droop over and then you typically would leave them in the ground for a week or so after that has happened to cure a little bit in the ground and then you would carefully pull them up and put them somewhere where they can dry and then you can use them throughout the fall and the winter i crocheted some string bags which come in super handy to store onions so if you ever need to combine crochet and gardening or homestead storage then onion bags or string bags are a really great thing to have on hand all right let's talk about brussels sprouts very briefly um you want to be sowing brussels sprouts from february to april in northern states and then transplant the seedlings around may to june southern states i mean you guys can plant these out to grow through fall and winter quite happily um sprouts will start forming september through to february depending on when you planted your brussels sprouts and um, brussels sprouts have a long growing season and the sprouts themselves mature slowly over time and um they kind of mature from the bottom up so you want to be growing a number of plants and then harvest you know the lower sprouts from a number of plants rather than stripping the whole stem in one go because you'll end up with kind of the you know a couple of bigger sprouts and then the majority kind of being these teeny weeny things that are not really worth your time and you don't want to be cutting the stem until you've harvested all the way to the top so that's why sprouts have such a long growing season they're also a very hungry crop so they really really um, love to grow somewhere where there's a lot of organic matter that has been added in there so a lot of well rotted compost and they're a perfect crop to follow on where you have been growing beans and the last veg that i'm going to talk about because i promised you that i would spare you from pumpkins is corn 
corn and you can grow a late season variety to have fresh corn later in the season or you could grow an early sweet variety and preserve them there's so many varieties of corn that are out there to try i like to try um short season or regionally adapted varieties so you know you could look for those in seed swaps near you or check out your favorite seed supplier um remember that there are sweet corns which are well sweet um, but also field corn varieties, which include things like flower corn, dent corn and flint corn, which are tasty, but will need some cooking or further processing like grinding to be able to use in the kitchen. So I want to hear from you. What are you going to try and grow for the holidays? Let me know in the Facebook group. And until next time, I hope your garden grows beautifully and I will see you all next week. <music>